1: This is God's Truth in Action. Good evening, this is Dave Schultz, your host for Engaging Truth Programming for this evening. I have a special guest that uh, I've only heard about, not seen yet, but uh, we see him on the, the Zoom broadcast today. Welcome, John, is it Judas...
0: Uh, in good German, J's sound likewise, so it's Yiddish.
1: Yiddish, like okay. Like
0: Johann
1: Bach. Uh, w- welcome, John. We welcome to the microphone this evening uh, for our Engaging Truth Programming. Um, I was just amazed at all the information that has been given me about who John is. Tell me a little bit about who John is, and people on the air will know you then.
0: Well, right now I'm pastor of uh, Messiah Lutheran Church in Southern California, halfway between Los Angeles and Palm Springs. And uh, I've been uh, privileged to uh, train deacons in the Lutheran Church for about 20 years. And it's great to see young and sometimes older men uh, grow in faith and in ministry. And uh, on the side, uh, apologetics and ministry to cults and new religions has been a sideline for me. So I have various uh, videos on YouTube and so forth. So uh, I enjoy that because it's an evangelistic ministry that hopefully removes hindrances to the faith for people.
1: Have you been all your years in ministry in California?
0: Yes, ever Yeah, since about the time my first baby was born, uh, we've lived in Southern California.
1: Also, I'm going to explore a little bit about uh, your time in Africa, in Kenya. Uh, Tell me about that, a little bit about what your work was there.
0: Um, I was able to teach at a uh, training school for church leaders, deaconesses, and pastors uh, there in uh, western Kenya, uh, Matango Lutheran College, uh, which is actually more like a seminary than a college. And uh, so I was there for two months, and it was a really encouraging experience for me personally. And it gave me a lot of insights into what the African church is like, uh, their challenges and their strengths. Um, Certainly, it's a much different setting in the third world or in the majority world than it is in this world. And I went back again uh, on a mercy mission for a couple weeks after that. So it gave me a taste for what, What ministry and what pastors, what deaconesses are like and what uh, churches, worship services and so forth are. Um, It's interesting to see how the faith is expressed in a little different culture.
1: Somewhere in those 30 years, you got came face to face with uh, demonology or uh, demon possession. Tell me about that.
0: You know, when I was many years ago teaching at a youth group event, uh, after one of the sessions, Ashley came up to me and said that she had asked her Ouija board before she moved into this city who her friends would be. And then Ouija board named her friends in advance. And so she was sure this was a supernatural event. Now, when something that, that comes up, um, someone, usually an adult, uh, has a choice. One is they can basically try to talk the young person out of this, say, oh, no, this was just an accident. Uh, You know, you knew what the most popular names for girls were in the teenage years, and you happened to hit it right. That would be a secular idea. Or the response could be, yes, that's a form of spiritual power but it will end up hurting you in the long run. So for instance, when a fish is in the lake and it sees a nice juicy worm, it says, wow, this is dinner. And only later does the fish find out that they are dinner. They're not having dinner. And this is the way occult things like Luigi board and Oracle cards, tarot cards, et cetera, work, is that they are appealing on the outside. However, they end up hurting you in the long run. Because they are doorways for demons to uh, enter a person's life and afflict, uh, hurt them in some way.
1: The, both the Old and New Testament talk about demon possession. We learn in the New Testament of Jesus casting out demons, but healing people who were who had afflictions and illnesses. Where in the world do demons come from? Let's go back to something elementary.
0: Of course, in the uh, Throughout the Bible, we have a relationship with God as our Heavenly Father. But in the spiritual world, there are other entities, too. There are good angels, um, you know, those that uh, intervened in the New Testament. But then there's the other side of the spiritual world. Uh, Satan and demons, that is evil spirits, are also individual entities. They have minds and they are able to think and do things. They were never human and don't have physical bodies, but they still have an influence on this uh, world. Unfortunately, people often do things like occult things like Ouija boards that I mentioned before, uh, not realizing there's a, a negative spiritual world. And so they uh, demons can uh, affect their lives, even though they don't intend that to happen and don't even believe they exist. So that's why it's important to keep those doors closed. And for Christians to realize that those influences are there. Now, you know, there's two extremes. I mean, we certainly shouldn't approach it uh, from one end of the scale and think that, you know, every little thing that bad that happens is demonic, or that every uh, spiritual flaw or failing is demonic, and there are demons involved. But nor should we go to the other extreme and think that they have no influence at all.
1: I have followed my ministry. Heals, I found in my ministry, like you've probably found in yours, that um, people, Christian people, will seem to believe that they can fool around with tarot cards and uh, Ouija boards, and it's kind of okay. It's kind of a fun thing to do, not realizing that it really is has got the other side, the devastating side of the, of the results of it.
0: Yes, and certainly many people do use it as a game, and for many people, it doesn't seem to bring any consequences or problems in their lives. Uh, but for others, it does become a doorway for a demon to um, afflict them, and they can pay dearly for that. Being naive is it doesn't help or, or keep you from uh, being uh, afflicted in some way.
1: I was thinking about this as I read your material yesterday, um, The demon world probably is so subtle that it could even be affecting Christians who are afraid to deal with some major sin in their life. And so the demon finds a way to slip in. Is that a possibility?
0: I expect that's a possibility. Um, But I think that uh, more commonly, it's our own sinful nature at work. Certainly, our own sinful nature is very powerful and uh, can bring some terrible consequences on our lives.
1: I know that we've talked often in our Bible studies here about the Second Corinthians passage that, that refers to the Apostle Paul talking about the demon world, uh, about those who are angels of light, who come bearing a light that kind of looks like Jesus. Uh, really, it's very, very deceptive. Have you faced that as well? Yes, certainly is deceptive. Uh, Sometimes
0: Christians seem to implicitly have the idea that Satan always steps up looking evil, like he's waving a red flag saying, here I'm evil Satan, avoid me. But in fact, it uh, is normally the other way around, that demons hide their influence and do appear to be good rather than bad. And so in the occult world, uh, they're often called familiar spirits. That is, people think that some spirit is becoming personal to them and is going to lead them into better ways when actually uh it's just a come on uh that it may appear to be uh encouraging or good in some ways but as time goes on it takes great a toll on the individual
1: i think one of the things that we don't realize that there's a cost involved in all of our lives uh, the sin that we contain the the old Adam that we fail to 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 challenge um, so what what is the cost of involvement in in this this um, this world of divination?
0: Well, of course um, Satan's main goal is to separate us from God. so one of the most uh first and most common signs is losing a desire for Bible study, either personal or with groups, losing a desire for worship, uh, losing a desire for prayer. And along with that, finding a desire for um, the more uh, unchristian modes of spirituality or of uh, the occult. And what may also come with that is uh, psychological changes. of uh, finding fears or disturbances in the emotional life that comes up or conflicts between people. Now those things of course can come from other causes as well, but also are an indication of uh, demonic uh, affliction of people.
1: When we talk about um, expulsion of, of demons, demon possession, I don't have any power to do that, but I have the authority from the Word of God um, to use His Word. Do I not? And you do it as well. How about the people who you walk into one day and you see them? Their appearance is different. Everything about them is different from the two weeks ago when you saw them and you knew that something has gone on within their life. And generally, it is a demon who's found his way into their life or found a, found a crack to, to involve himself in their life. Can we ask these people who are believers to begin with, can we ask them, you need to take issue with this and toss this demon out in the name of Jesus? Is that number one? You know, that's an important part of that. Um, as with other
0: parts of the Christian life, it starts with repentance or uh, renouncing is another word for that. So frequently, uh, a demonic affliction will come as a result of some particular behavior. So that might be an extreme kind of sin. It might be some kind of occult involvement in spell casting or divination, uh, tarot cards or whatever. So it's good to um, Interview a person and ask about those kinds of connections because the starting point is that the person uh, renounces those actions or those behaviors or those practices. Because unless they renounce them, there's no way to remove an affliction that anyone has or to get demons to be separated from a person because those doors are still open. So renouncing or repenting of those things is a way of shutting that door. Uh, when you do that, then of course that next step is to repel the demons. The two R's: renounce and repel. And uh, of course, the model is the apostles in the New Testament who repel or throw out demons in the name of Christ Jesus, because we have no power to do that ourselves, as you just mentioned. You know, but the power is in the name of Christ Jesus. I like to picture it like a judge or a policeman they have no power to arrest someone or put them in jail, but they just speak for the state, which has the power. So in the same way, a believer can uh, repel, cast out a demon in the name of Christ Jesus, because it's his power that does that, not our own. We just speak in his name, just as we do when we forgive sins and worship or baptize in Jesus' name.
1: When you were in Africa, uh you probably sensed or you probably saw among the the african traditional religion some of the the demonic things that you probably had heard about did you experience any of that among the people that you dealt with here those things are much more common in africa uh, and you
0: mentioned african traditional religion atr which is kind of a catch-all for many different uh, forms of african religion carried on in different tribes. Um, they are much more overt about trying to communicate with spirits. And so you'll see things like uh, charms. A charm is a, an object you know, that may be on the wall of a house or at the junction of a road or on top of a house or an amulet, which is an object that people wear. So those are said to be powered by uh, spirits in order to um, cause something good in their lives, uh, in some way. So those things are very overt in Africa. Uh, people also use charms or amulets in other countries, um, especially religions that have aneuristic backgrounds, but also in uh, the Western world as well. So it's important to renounce those charms and, and to get rid of those. Very often African traditional religion also explicitly has mediums that try to communicate with spirits or diviners that try to use objects like a board, something like the Ouija board, in order to have spirits talk to them. So when you do that intentionally, which they do in African religions, you get all the more affliction happening in people's lives as a result of the uh, problems that demons cause to people and communities.
1: It seems to me that um, as I look at the world in which we live and as I hear people talking strange talk, um, that the demons themselves have found a new way, and that's through the media, the, the, the media world, which has really become something from the very time that you got into ministry and, of course, when I got into ministry. Um, the Apostle Paul says take captive every thought, Is that the thinking process, do the the demon world also use that as an entry point?
0: I'm sure they do. And you might say that's in the mass media, but it also is in the social media. So there's a lot of um, occultic practices, um, spiritual practices, which are not Christian ones, that are promoted through TikTok, through uh, videos on YouTube, and so forth. So this is dangerous in that people who, you know, don't know anyone perhaps who uses tarot cards can find something on TikTok or the internet that instructs them on in how to do that. So those are certainly open doors. And the, the Satan certainly is benefited when uh, people come to think in unbiblical ways and in uh, ways that support the demonic world. And certainly you see many of those themes in the general media as well as in the social media.
1: You originally started, and I want you to continue on that, the five steps uh, of dealing with the issue of demon possession. Would you continue on with that? I think you, you were, you were uh, pausing for a moment with, with repelling. Would you start there again and go on? Sure. Well, it
0: starts, it began with renouncing. You renounce the practices that are opened up for demons. You repel the spirits by talking to them, telling them to go in Jesus' name. But then it's important to rebuild after that, uh, to build a a healthy spiritual life, to make personal Bible study and group Bible study um, and worship, you know, the foundational parts of your life. And that way you have the healthy spiritual life. You know the health of the relationship with God that uh, defends you against any kind of attacks from the spiritual
1: world. You know the Apostle Paul talks about resisting Satan. Peter talks about resisting him as well. Uh, putting on the armor of God. How does that work with with demon possession?
0: Well, certainly uh, Satan demons want to get into our lives in different ways, and. Yes, the armor of God is important. Of course, the most important part is the word of God, because that tells us the difference between truth and error. And it enables us to discern uh, what's godly and what isn't. Um, so the sword of the spirit, the word of God is certainly the most important. The other elements, you know, the gospel of peace, salvation is a defense against uh, um the inroads that the the spirit world and our own sin can make into our lives or the um, wrong guidance from our friends or media.
1: There may be someone in the listening audience, uh, Dr. John, who who's dealing with the issue of of demon possession in a child, in a spouse. What What encouragement can you give that particular person about the way in which to bring this to a head to be able to define it, to be able to deal with it?
0: Well, it's good to not be alone, of course. And so, you know, most of us don't have much of a grasp on what to do with that. And so it's good to be part of a a prayer group, um, a small group Bible study in which you can share your concerns, get advice from other people, and have people pray with you over those things. Uh, so that way you're, you're not alone. And uh, you do have the wisdom of the Word of God, as well as other believers to do that with. You know, the Apostle Paul was great, as was Peter, and yet they always, they always went out in twos or in groups for exactly that reason. Because we do need the strength of other believers to help us deal with those things.
1: You know, it concerns me as an older pastor like yourself that um, we have become so wealthy as a nation, as a people, and even as Lutheran people that uh, God and his holy word, it doesn't go away, but it kind of gets put on the back burner of importance. What kind of encouragement can you give to to the audience of people who may have fallen into that trap of, of indifference toward what the precious word of God provides for us?
0: You know, it is easy to slide into that indifference, but there's always consequences for that, and certainly people feel that in terms of anxiety, uh, maybe depression, other things. Um, and you know, Jesus said He came to give us life and life to the full, and I believe that's true. And when we are more closely connected with the fellowship of believers and more closely connected with God, especially in in worship, uh, that that really does. Um, Uh, Help us each week or each time to find inner strength, to find uh, understanding that we wouldn't have otherwise, and to find greater strength and joy in the Lord.
1: Well, how the pandemic has worked to separate people from the church has 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 taken people out of their pews and put them on the couches. And, and you know, for many people, that's difficult to come back. Uh, and simply just that trap of believing that you can receive everything that you need from a little bit of opportunity to watch television and church on television, that's not the fellowship of God's people together, is it?
0: It's not. And you know, the body of Christ, uh, which is what the believers are compared to, it's a two-way street. I mean, your, uh, your hand uh, gives something in that it does something for the good of the body while it receives the things the others do. So if you're just online, you're not doing that giving. And it's in giving and serving, which is a great source of spiritual growth and strength. And you can't do that uh, on the other side of the TV screen. So we really need to be interacting with other believers in worship and Bible study and service in order to be doing, growing our faith by doing, as well as by receiving the Word of God and hearing worship.
1: I guess that's one of the wonderful things, the reason why uh, the Hebrews says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Uh, Dr. John, we've only got a minute left, and I just want to say thank you. This has been very interesting and very spontaneous, but also very enlightening. And I want to thank you for the opportunity that you have given us to hear something about what you know an awful lot about. John, would you please conclude our time together with prayer?
0: I'll do that. And thanks so much for the opportunity and for the blessing your show is to people in Houston and in other parts of the country. Well, let's pray. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you do supply all of our needs, our spiritual, emotional, physical ones. And I pray, Father, that you would give us the discernment to see when uh, the evil is trying to make inroads into our lives and to put our foot down. And in the name of Jesus Christ, to repel the influence of evil spirits and instead find the understanding from the Word of God and the joy and strength in our Lord Jesus. And we pray in his name.
1: Thank you so much for being with us on Engaging Truth. Good night and come back again. Thank you. Good night. Thank you for listening to this broadcast of Engaging Truth. Be sure to join us each week at this time. To help support our ministry, contact Evangelical Life Ministries, Post Office Box 568, Cypress, Texas, 77410 or visit our website at elmhouston.org or find us on Facebook at Evangelical Life Ministries. Thank you.